Section 32 of Young Folks' Treasury, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Young Folks' Treasury, Volume 2, edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Section 32. The Argonauts, Parts 4 and 5. Part 4. How the Argonauts won the Golden Fleece. The heroes rowed across the bay, and while they waited there for a southwest wind, they chose themselves a captain from their crew. And some called for the strongest and hugest to be their captain, but more called for Jason, because he was the wisest of them all. So Jason was chosen captain, and each hero vowed to stand by him faithfully in the adventure of the Golden Fleece. They sailed onward, and northward, to Pelion and their hearts yearned for the dear old mountain, as they thought of the days gone by, of the sports of their boyhood, and their hunting, and their lessons in the cave beneath the cliff. Then at last they said, Let us land here, and climb the dear old hill once more. We are going on a fearful journey. Who knows if we shall see Pelion again? Let us go up to Chiron, our master, and ask his blessing ere we start. So the helmsmen steered them to the shore, under the crags of Pilion, and they went up through the dark pine forests toward the centaur's cave. Then, as Chiron saw them, he leapt up and welcomed them every one, and set a feast of venison before them, and after supper all the heroes clapped their hands and called on Orpheus to sing, but he refused, and said, How can I, who am the younger, sing before our ancient host? So they called on Chiron to sing, and he sang of heroes who fought with fists and teeth, and how they tore up the pine-trees in their fury, and hurled great crags of stone, while the mountains thundered with the battle, and the land was wasted far and wide. And the heroes praised his song right heartily, for some of them had helped in that great fight. Then Orpheus took the lyre and sang of the making of the wondrous world, and as he sang his voice rose from the cave above the crags and through the tree-tops. The trees bowed their heads when they heard it, and the forest beasts crept close to listen, and the birds forsook their nests and hovered near. And old Chiron clapped his hands together and beat his hoofs upon the ground, for wonder at that magic song. Now the heroes came down to the ship, and Chiron came down with them, weeping, and kissed them one by one, and promised to them great renown. And the heroes wept when they left him, till their great hearts could weep no more, for he was kind and just, and wiser than all beasts and men. Then Chiron went up to a cliff and prayed for them, that they might come home safe and well, while the heroes rode away and watched him standing on his cliff above the sea, with his great hands raised toward heaven, and his white locks waving in the wind. They strained their eyes to watch him to the last for they felt that they should look on him no more. So they rode on over the long swell of the sea eastward, and out into the open sea which we now call the Black Sea. All feared that dreadful sea, and its rocks and fogs and bitter storms, and the heroes trembled for all their courage as they came into that wild Black Sea, and saw it stretching out before them, without a shore, as far as I could see. Then Orpheus spoke, and warned them that they must come now to the wandering blue rocks. Soon they saw them, and their blue peaks shone like spires and castles of grey glass, while an ice-cold wind blew from them and chilled all the heroes' hearts. 
As they neared them, they could see the rocks heaving as they rolled upon the long sea-waves, crashing and grinding together, till the roar went up to heaven. The heroes' hearts sank within them, and they lay down upon their oars in fear, but Orpheus called to the helmsmen, Between the blue rocks we must pass, so look for an opening, and be brave, for Hera is with us. The cunning helmsman stood silent, clenching his teeth, till he saw a heron come flying mast-high toward the rocks, and hover a while before them, as if looking for a passage through. Then he cried, Hera has sent us a pilot. Let us follow the bird. The heron flapped to and fro a moment till he saw a hidden gap, and into it he rushed like an arrow, while the heroes watched what would befall. And the blue rocks dashed together as the bird fled swiftly through, but they struck but one feather from his tail, and then rebounded at the shock. Then the helmsmen cheered the heroes, and they shouted, while the oars bent between their strokes as they rushed between those toppling ice-crags. But ere the rocks could meet again they had passed them, and were safe out in the open sea. After that they sailed on wearily along the coast, past many a mighty river's mouth, and past many a barbarous tribe. And at day-dawn they looked eastward, till shining above the tree-tops they saw the golden roofs of King Aetes, the child of the sun. Then out spoke the helmsmen, We are come to our goal at last, for there are the roofs of Aetes, and the woods where all poisons grow. But who can tell us where among them is hid the golden fleece? But Jason cheered the heroes, for his heart was high and bold, and he said, I will go alone to Aetes, and win him with soft words, better so than to go altogether and to come to blows at once. But the heroes would not stay behind, so they rowed boldly up the stream. And a dream came to Aetes, and filled his heart with fear. Then he leapt up, and bade his servants bring his chariot, that he might go down to the river-side, and appease the nymphs and the heroes whose spirits haunt the bank. So he went down in his golden chariot, and his daughters by his side, Medea, the fair witch-maiden, and Chalciope, who had been Phrixus's wife, and behind him a crowd of servants and soldiers, for he was a rich and mighty prince. And as he drove down by the reedy river he saw the Argo sliding up beneath the bank and many a hero in her, like immortals for beauty and strength. But Jason was the noblest of all, for Hera, who loved him, gave him beauty and height and terrible manhood. When they came near together, and looked into each other's eyes, the heroes were awed before Aetes as he shone in his chariot like his father the glorious sun, for his robes were of rich gold tissue, and the rays of his diadem flashed fire and in his hand he bore a jewelled sceptre which glittered like the stars. Sternly Aetes looked at the heroes, and sternly he spoke, and loud, Who are you? And what want you here that you come to our shore? Know this is my kingdom, and these are my people who serve me. Never yet grew they tired in battle, and well they know how to face a foe. And the heroes sat silent a while before the face of that ancient king, but Hera, the awful goddess, put courage into Jason's heart, and he rose and shouted loudly in answer to the king. We are no lawless men. We come not to plunder or carry away slaves from your land, but we have come on a quest to bring home the golden fleece. And these two, my bold comrades, they are no nameless men, for some are the sons of immortals, 
and some of heroes far renowned. We too never tire in battle, and know well how to give blows and to take, yet we wish to be guests at your table. It will be better so for both. Then Aetes' rage rushed up like a whirlwind, and his eyes flashed fire as he heard, but he crushed his anger down in his heart, and spoke mildly. If you will fight, then many a man must die. But if you will be ruled by me, you will find it better far to choose the best man among you, and let him fulfill the labours which I demand. Then I will give him the golden fleece for a prize and a glory to you all. So he said, and then turned his horses and drove back in silence to the town. The heroes sat dumb with sorrow, for there was no facing the thousands of King Aetes' men and the fearful chance of war. But Chalciope, the widow of Phrixus, went weeping to the town, for she remembered her husband and all the pleasures of her youth, while she watched the fair face of his kinsmen and their long locks of golden hair. And she whispered to Medea, her sister, Why should all these brave men die? Why does not my father give up the fleece, that my husband's spirit may have rest? Medea's heart pitied the heroes, and Jason most of all, and she answered, Our father is stern and terrible, and who can win the golden fleece? But Chalciope said, These men are not like our men. There is nothing which they cannot dare nor do. Then Medea thought of Jason and his brave countenance, and said, If there was one among them who knew no fear, I could show him how to win the fleece. So in the dusk of the evening they went down to the river-side, Chalciope and Medea the witch-maiden, and with them a lad. And the lad crept forward among the beds of reeds, till he came to where Jason kept ward on shore, leaning upon his lance, full of thought. And the lad said, Chalciope waits for you, to talk about the golden fleece. Then Jason went boldly with the boy, and found the two princesses. When Chalciope saw him, she wept and took his hands and cried, O cousin of my beloved Phrixus, go home before you die. It would be base to go home now, fair princess, and to have sailed all these seas in vain. Then both the princesses besought him, but Jason said, It is too late to return. But you know not, said Medea, what he must do who would win the fleece. He must tame the two brazen-footed bulls, which breathe devouring flame, and with them he must plough ere nightfall four acres in a field. He must sow the acres with serpents' teeth, of which each tooth springs up into an armed man. Then he must fight with all these warriors, and little will it profit him to conquer them, for the fleece is guarded by a serpent more huge than any mountain pine. Over his body you must step if you would reach the golden fleece." Then Jason laughed bitterly. <laughs> Unjustly is that fleece kept here, and by an unjust and lawless king, and unjustly shall I die in my youth, for I will attempt it ere another sun be set. Medea trembled and said, No mortal man can reach that fleece, unless I guide him through. But Jason cried, 
no wall so high but it may be climbed at last and no wood so thick but it may be crawled through no serpent so wary but he may be charmed and i may yet win the golden fleece if a wise maiden help bold men and he looked at medea with his glittering eye till she blushed and trembled and said who can face the fire of the bull's breath and fight ten thousand armed men he whom you help said jason flattering her for your fame is spread over all the earth and medea said slowly why should you die i have an ointment here i made it from the magic ice flower anoint yourself with that and you shall have in you the strength of seven and anoint your shield with it and neither fire nor sword shall harm you anoint your helmet with it before you sow the serpent's teeth and when the sons of earth spring up cast your helmet among them and every man of them shall perish then jason fell on his knees before her and thanked her and kissed her hands and she gave him the vase of ointment and fled trembling through the reeds and jason told his comrades what had happened and showed them the box of ointment so at sunrise jason went and bathed and anointed himself from head to foot and his shield and his helmet and his weapons and when the sun had risen jason sent two of his heroes to tell aietes that he was ready for the fight up among the marble walls they went and beneath the roofs of gold and stood in the hall of aietes while he grew pale with rage fulfil your promise to us child of the blazing sun the heralds cried to king aietes give us the serpent's teeth and let loose the fiery bulls for we have found a champion among us who can win the golden fleece aietes grew more pale with rage for he had fancied that they had fled away by night but he could not break his promise so he gave them the serpent's teeth then he called his chariot and his horses and sent heralds through all the town and all the people went out with him to the dreadful war-god's field there aietes sat upon his throne with his warriors on each hand thousands and tens of thousands clothed from head to foot in steel chain mail and the people and women crowded to every window and bank and wall while the heroes stood together a mere handful in the midst of that great host chalciope was there and medea wrapped closely in her veil but aietes did not know that she was muttering cunning spells between her lips then jason cried fulfil your promise and let your fiery bulls come forth aietes bade open the gates and the magic bulls leapt out their brazen hoofs rang upon the ground as they rushed with lowered heads upon jason but he never flinched a step the flame of their breath swept round him but it singed not a hair of his head and the bulls stopped short and trembled when medea began her spell then jason sprang upon the nearest and seized him by the horns and up and down they wrestled till the bull fell grovelling on his knees for the heart of the bull died within him beneath the steadfast eye of that dark witch-maiden and the magic whisper of her lips so both the bulls were tamed and yoked and jason bound them to the plough and goaded them onward with his lance till he had ploughed the sacred field and all the heroes shouted but aietes bit his lips with rage for half of jason's work was done then jason took the serpent's teeth and sowed them and waited what would befall 
and Medea looked at him and at his helmet, lest he should forget the lesson she had taught him. Now every furrow heaved and bubbled, and out of every clod arose a man. Out of the earth they arose by thousands, each clad from head to foot in steel, and drew their swords, and rushed on Jason, where he stood in the midst alone. The heroes grew pale with fear for him, but Aetes laughed an angry laugh. Then Jason snatched off his helmet, and hurled it into the thickest of the throng. And hate and fear and suspicion came upon them, and one cried to his fellows, Thou didst strike me, and another, Thou art Jason, thou shalt die, and each turned his hand against the rest, and they fought, and were never weary, till they all lay dead upon the ground. And the magic furrows opened, and the kind earth took them home again, and Jason's work was done. Then the heroes rose and shouted, and Jason cried to the king, Lead me to the golden fleece this moment before the sun goes down. But Aetes thought, Who is this who is proof against all magic? He may kill the serpent yet. So he delayed, and sat taking counsel with his princes. Afterwards he bade a herald cry, To-morrow we will meet these heroes, and speak about the golden fleece. Then he turned and looked at Medea. "'This is your doing, false witch-maid,' he said. "'You have helped these yellow-haired strangers.' Medea shrank and trembled, and her face grew pale with fear, and Aetes knew that she was guilty, and he whispered, "'If they win the fleece, you die.' Now the heroes went marching toward their ship, growling like lions cheated of their prey. Let us go together to the grove, and take the fleece by force, they said. But Jason held them back, while he praised them for brave heroes, for he hoped for Medea's help. And after a time she came trembling, and wept a long while before she spoke. At last she said, I must die, for my father has found out that I have helped you. But all the heroes cried, If you die, we die with you for without you we cannot win the fleece, and home we will never go without it." "'You need not die,' said Jason to the witch-maiden. "'Flee home with us across the sea. Show us but how to win the fleece, and come with us, and you shall be my queen, and rule over the rich princes in Aeokos by the sea.' And all the heroes pressed round and vowed to her that she should be their queen. Medea wept, and hid her face in her hands. "'Must I leave my home and my people?' she sobbed. "'But the lot is cast. I will show you how to win the golden fleece. Bring up your ship to the woodside, and moor her there against the bank, and let Jason come up at midnight, and one brave comrade with him, and meet me beneath the wall.' Then all the heroes cried together, "'I will go, and I, and I!' But Medea calmed them, and said, Orpheus shall go with Jason, and take his magic harp. And Orpheus laughed for joy, and clapped his hands, because the choice had fallen on him. So at midnight they went up the bank and found Medea, and she brought them to a thicket beside the war-god's gate. And the base of the gate fell down, and the brazen doors flew wide, and Medea and the heroes ran forward, and hurried through the poison wood, guided by the gleam of the golden fleece, until they saw it hanging on one vast tree in the midst. Jason would have sprung to seize it, but Medea held him back, and pointed to the tree-foot, 
where a mighty serpent lay, coiled in and out among the roots. When the serpent saw them coming, he lifted up his head, and watched them with his small bright eyes, and flashed his forked tongue. But Medea called gently to him, and he stretched out his long spotted neck, and licked her hand. Then she made a sign to Orpheus, and he began his magic song. And as he sung, the forest grew calm, and the leaves on every tree hung still, and the serpent's head sank down, and his coils grew limp, and his glittering eyes closed lazily, till he breathed as gently as a child. Jason leapt forward warily, and stepped across that mighty snake, and tore the fleece from off the tree-trunk. Then the witch-maiden, with Jason and Orpheus, turned and rushed down to the bank where the Argo lay. There was silence for a moment, when Jason held the golden fleece on high. Then he cried, "'Go now, good Argo, swift and steady, if ever you would see Pelion more.' And she went, as the heroes drove her, grim and silent all, with muffled oars, on and on beneath the dewy darkness, they fled swiftly down the swirling stream, on and on, till they heard the merry music of the surge. Into the surge they rushed, and the Argo leapt the breakers like a horse, till the heroes stopped, all panting, each man upon his oar, as she slid into the broad sea. Then Orpheus took his harp, and sang a song of praise, till the heroes' hearts rose high again, and they rode on, stoutly and steadfastly, away into the darkness of the west. Part Five, How the Argonauts Reached Home So the heroes fled away in haste, but Aetes manned his fleet and followed them. Then Medea, the dark witch-maiden, laid a cruel plot for she killed her young brother who had come with her, and cast him into the sea, and said, Ere my father can take up his body and bury it, he must wait long and be left far behind. And all the heroes shuddered, and looked one at the other in shame. When Aetes came to the place he stopped a long while and bewailed his son, and took him up and went home. So the heroes escaped for a time, but Zeus saw that evil deed and out of the heavens he sent a storm, and swept the Argo far from her course. And at last she struck on a shoal, and the waves rolled over her and through her, and the heroes lost all hope of life. Then out spoke the magic bow, which stood upon the Argo's prow. For your guilt you must sail a weary way to where Circe, Medea's sister, dwells among the islands of the west. She shall cleanse you of your guilt." Whither they went I cannot tell, nor how they came to Circe's isle. But at last they reached the fairy island of the west, and Jason bid them land, and as they went ashore they met Circe coming down toward the ship, and they trembled when they saw her, for her hair and face and robes shone flame. Then Circe cried to Medea, Ah, wretched girl, have you forgotten your sins that you come hither? where the flowers bloom all the year round? Where is your aged father and the brother whom you killed? I will send you food and wine, but your ship must not stay here, for she is black with your wickedness. And the heroes prayed, but in vain, and cried, Cleanse us from our guilt! But she sent them away, and said, Go eastward, that you may be cleansed, and after that you may go home. 
slowly and wearily they sailed on till one summer's eve they came to a flowery island and as they neared it they heard sweet songs medea started when she heard and cried beware o heroes for here are the rocks of the sirens you must pass close by them but those who listen to that song are lost then orpheus spoke he the king of all minstrels let them match their song against mine so he caught up his lyre and began his magic song now they could see the sirens three fair maidens sitting on the beach beneath a rock red in the setting sun slowly they sung and sleepily and as the heroes listened the oars fell from their hands and their heads dropped and they closed their heavy eyes and all their toil seemed foolishness and they thought of their renown no more then medea clapped her hands together and cried sing louder orpheus sing louder and orpheus sang till his voice drowned the song of the sirens and the heroes caught their oars again and cried we will be men and we will dare and suffer to the last and as orpheus sang they dashed their oars into the sea and kept time to his music as they fled fast away and the sirens voices died behind them in the hissing of the foam but when the sirens saw that they were conquered they shrieked for envy and rage and leapt into the sea and were changed into rocks then as the argonauts rowed on they came to a fearful whirlpool and they could neither go back nor forward for the waves caught them and spun them round and round while they struggled in the whirlpool they saw near them on the other side of the strait a rock stand in the water a rock smooth and slippery and halfway up a misty cave when orpheus saw the rock he groaned little will it help us he cried to escape the jaws of the whirlpool for in that cave lives a sea-hag and from her cave she fishes for all things that pass by and never ship's crew boasted that they came safe past her rock then out of the depths came thetis the silver-footed bride of one of the heroes she came with all her nymphs around her they played like snow-white dolphins diving in from wave to wave before the ship and in her wake and beside her as dolphins play and they caught the ship and guided her and passed her on from hand to hand and tossed her through the billows as maidens do the ball and when the sea-hag stooped to seize the ship they struck her and she shrank back into her cave affrighted and the argo leapt safe past her while a fair breeze rose behind then thetis and her nymphs sank down to their coral caves beneath the sea and their gardens of green and purple where flowers bloom all the year round while the heroes went on rejoicing yet dreading what might come next they rode away for many a weary day till their water was spent and their food eaten but at last they saw a long steep island we will land here they cried and fill our water-casks upon the shore but when they came nearer to the island they saw a wondrous sight for on the cliffs stood a giant taller than any mountain pine when he saw the argo and her crew he came toward them more swiftly than the swiftest horse and he shouted to them you are pirates you are robbers if you land you shall die the death then the heroes lay on their oars in fear but medea spoke i know this giant if strangers land he leaps into his furnace which flames there among the hills 
and when he is red-hot he rushes on them, and burns them in his brazen hands. But he has but one vein in all his body filled with liquid fire, and this vein is closed with a nail. I will find out where the nail is placed, and when I have got it into my hands you shall water your ship in peace." So they took the witch-maiden, and left her alone on the shore, and she stood there all alone in her beauty, till the giant strode back red-hot from head to heel. When he saw the maiden he stopped, and she looked boldly up into his face and sang a magic song, and she held up a flash of crystal, and said, I am Medea, the witch-maiden, my sister Circe gave me this, and said, Go, reward Talus, the faithful giant, for his fame is gone out into all lands. So come, and I will pour this into your veins, that you may live for ever young. And he listened to her false words, that simple Talus, and came near. But Medea said, Dip yourself in the sea first, and cool yourself, lest you burn my tender hands. Then show me the nail in your vein, and in that I will pour the liquid from the crystal flask. Then that simple Talus dipped himself in the sea, and came and knelt before Medea, and showed the secret nail. And she drew the nail out gently, but she poured nothing in, and instead the liquid fire streamed forth. Talus tried to leap up, crying, You have betrayed me, false witch-maiden! But she lifted up her hands before him, and sang till he sank beneath her spell. And as he sank, the earth groaned beneath his weight, and the liquid fire ran from his heel like a stream of lava to the sea. Then Medea laughed and called to the heroes, Come, and water your ship in peace. So they came and found the giant lying dead, and they fell down and kissed Medea's feet, and watered their ship, and took sheep and oxen, and so left that inhospitable shore. At the next island they went ashore and offered sacrifices, and Orpheus purged them from their guilt. And, at last, after many weary days and nights, all torn and tried, the heroes saw once more Pelion and Iokos by the sea. They ran the ship ashore, but they had no strength left to haul her up the beach and they crawled out on the pebbles and wept till they could weep no more. For the houses and the trees were all altered, and all the faces they saw were strange, so that their joy was swallowed up in sorrow. The people crowded round and asked them, Who are you that you sit weeping here? We are the sons of your princes, who sailed in search of the golden fleece, and we have brought it home. Give us news of our fathers and mothers, if any of them be left alive on earth." Then there was shouting and laughing and weeping, and all the kings came to the shore, and they led away the heroes to their homes, and bewailed the valiant dead. And Jason went up with Medea to the palace of his uncle Peleus. And when he came in, Peleus and Aeson, Jason's father, sat by the fire, two old men, whose heads shook together as they tried to warm themselves before the fire. Jason fell down at his father's knee, and wept, and said, I am your own son Jason, and I have brought home the golden fleece, and a princess of the sun's race for my bride. Then his father clung to him like a child, and wept, and would not let him go, and cried, Promise never to leave me till I die. And Jason turned to his uncle Peleus, Now give me up the kingdom, and fulfill your promise, as I have fulfilled mine. 
and his uncle gave him his kingdom. So Jason stayed at Iokos by the sea. End of the Argonauts, Parts 4 and 5 Recording by Bill Borst